Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Stories Behind Language Policing in Schools. I'm your host, Gianna Weyar, and I am very excited to speak on some very important topics with you today. To start off, I want all of you to close your eyes and take a second to imagine yourself as a young student in high school who has just moved to the United States from South America, and your first language is Spanish. Imagine walking into your first class, nerves taking over your thoughts as they always do on the first day. You walk in, and of course, being the new kid, you get a few looks and whispers, but you take a seat and wait for the teacher to begin. The teacher begins speaking, and your heart drops. You can barely grasp what she is saying, as you only know Spanish. You feel your heart drop as you hear her say your name. Do I speak? Do I nod? Am I in trouble? All the thoughts race through your mind. Now we switch to a child who doesn't speak, quote-unquote, proper English. You are sitting in class waiting to share your great idea with the class, and the teacher finally calls on you. You share the amazing answer that you've been working on all of the class, but you frown when your teacher goes to cut you off. Yes, but ain't isn't a word, they say, and you feel as if all of your answers were tainted by a singular word. Now open your eyes. Think about how these two students feel. Why are they feeling negative feelings in the classroom because of who they are and how they express themselves? This is our topic for today. I would like to introduce my guests, Ashley, Kavita, and Gabby, to speak on this topic with me. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi, everybody. All right. Thank you for joining me. So to start, I just want everyone to introduce themselves. Um, So Ashley, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Ashley. I'm a 19-year-old college student from Westbury, Long Island, and I'm of Norwegian and German descent. I'm currently a history major and would love to be a high school history teacher in the future. Great. Kavita? Hi, everyone. My name is Kavita, and I'm a 20-year-old student at Adelphi University from South Ozone Park, Queens, New York. My parents are of Caribbean descent, and so I always felt like an outcast at school, so I am more than delighted to be here. I feel like far too often educators seem to neglect their students' concerns of uncomfort and embarrassment, so I think this is a great topic to discuss. Awesome. Gabby? Hi, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in with us. Well, I'm 19 years old and I'm from Rockaway, Queens, New York. I'm Puerto Rican and Cuban. And I'm currently an English major at Adelphi. And in the future, I'm hoping to get my degree to teach high school students. Great. Well, a little bit about me. Like I said, my name is Gianna and I am a 20 year old college student from East Rockaway, which is a small town on Long Island. I'm also of Italian and Argentine descent, and I'm a political science major in the STEP program, so I want to teach high school students social studies. Um, So, well, enough about me. Let's get into our conversation. So, if you couldn't tell by the little introduction activity, we are going to be talking about language policing and the experiences of those affected or exposed to it. I feel like the best way to spread awareness about this topic is to hear your experiences. So, have any of you had experiences with language policing? So the one language that I'm fluent in is English, but that doesn't mean that I really haven't experienced this. Um, So my mom's an English teacher. And when I was younger, she would like really micromanage my word choices when I was speaking to her, especially if I messed up grammar or like a word choice. So if I said things like like and um and took long pauses and you would use filler words, she would be on top of me and be like, no, you can't see that. That's like not right. You can't do that. And then in school, and this would happen too. It was like teachers would correct words that students were using. And there was a lot of correcting when students were speaking in front of the class. And so I'm like, this is genuinely just negative. A lot of it is like, if you're correcting a student in front of the class, it can be embarrassing in itself. So it's like, why would you do that? And especially if you're commenting on someone's grammar, 
it's like maybe someone doesn't realize or like doesn't understand that's not like quote unquote proper English, but it still shouldn't be something that embarrasses them in front of the class. And then there have been like a lot of instances in my job now where some of my other coworkers would correct like people are ordering or not pronouncing a word right for like their drink and they would finish what they were ordering for them. Like they were taking a long time to speak. So then they would jump in and talk over them. And even just for like simple mispronunciations, they would correct them. And I think it's just a lot of people need to realize that like language policing is all around us and that I feel like a lot of us subconsciously do it because we're not aware of what language policing is. And so I feel like it needs to be taught more to people, especially in like high school or like in college, that language policing can really discourage students from wanting to speak up and speak their mind, especially in a classroom setting where they may feel like they're being judged for what they're saying and if they're not speaking like quote unquote again proper English but there really is like no proper English we shouldn't be judging people based on how they speak and everything like that and so teachers should understand the severity of language policing and exactly what it entails for a student. I remember being in elementary school and having a white history teacher and by no means am I trying to victimize white people nor do I condone racism or prejudice. I just want to bring up this experience that left a strong presence over me. For one, I noticed that she always treated me different from my peers. Whenever I raised my hand, she ignored me. Whenever I had something to say, she belittled me. And whenever I had to use the restroom, she'd throw a fit. And I just don't understand why people go into education with such a closed-minded mindset or leave kids feeling discouraged. This is not the only experience I had, but it was one that left within me a feeling of anxiety when it came to class participation. And even to this day, I try to overcome that fear and I hope I will one day get it out of my system entirely. And I think educators can prevent students from feeling uncomfortable or insecure about their language abilities through valuing cultural diversity and leveraging background knowledge on different cultures. In New York, we are all surrounded by various cultures and people from different ethnicities. And so I think it is important to embrace diversity and making everyone feel accepted. But the only way we can make way to acceptance and embracement of others is through educating ourselves first. Yeah, I totally agree with what everybody said. So like picking up off of what Ashley said earlier, people should know that language policing can happen to everybody. Even if it hasn't happened to you, like I'm sure you've been a witness to it, happened to somebody else, but you might've been unaware that it was an act of language policing. So growing up in a city like Brooklyn, I've been exposed to plenty of cultures, races, languages, and just diversity as a whole. And I think as New Yorkers, we've adapted to language barriers and we've kind of learned to be more welcoming individuals. But still, growing up, language policing was very popular in the education system. So as a kid, I went to two different elementary schools. I went to one in Coney Island, Brooklyn, and one in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. And to like give some insight, Sunset is an extremely Hispanic populated area. So it's so Hispanic that like going down the streets, you heard Spanish before you heard English. And I promise like after a week, you would probably leave knowing some. Um, but Coney Island, on the other hand, has a higher population of like the African-American community. Asian and Russian communities. So my experiences were like very different in both of these schools. So my first school in Coney Island, everything was in English. Even though we had students who spoke Russian or Chinese in our classes, the lessons were taught in English and there was rarely any addition of any other languages. 
it was clear that these kids were struggling sometimes, like they were less likely to raise their hands in class, to speak to other kids or even do their homework. So I was also friends with this kid named Edmund, who happened to be Chinese, and he primarily spoke Mandarin. The teacher would go around to collect our work, and I'd always look down to see his paper filled with like attempts to answer the questions, his letters written backwards, or just empty spaces. So I would just give him the answers to my homework so that he wouldn't get in trouble. But looking back now, this is an example of language placing. The teachers would see these kids struggle during class, but they would still enforce the strict uses of English. They would criticize them for pronouncing words wrong or misspelling things, and they would embarrass them in front of the class. They wouldn't make an attempt to make translated homeworks, practice with them, or even provide help. The strict use of language, like of English language, just alienated these students. And even though they weren't proficient and they weren't allowed to learn in a new way, that would be beneficial to them. But then I went to the school in Sunset and the experience was just extremely different. The school catered lessons in Spanish and English. They had staff members who were fluent in Spanish and whose jobs were specifically to assist these students in their English language learning. Teachers were required, not even just like allowed, like they had to actively integrate Spanish in their lessons and know enough to communicate with the students. Never criticized mispronunciations and they were careful not to offend the students or give them a sense of inferiority. My school did like a really good job in being inclusive. And I think it has to do with the community around them. You know, they had no choice but to cater to the Hispanic population around them. But in result, the school provided a perfect environment where students could learn and not experience language policing. However, it wasn't until this very assignment that I honestly realized this was an example of language policing. Growing up, you think that schools are just doing their job. You think it's normal to correct students to improve their learning and make lessons in English so that they can have more practice. But it's language placing. To alienate these students is not beneficial. And there are many other ways to give them practice without making them feel that one language is the only way to learn or succeed. So going forward, I think it's just important to be more aware. And as a future educator, I'm going to apply what I've experienced to ensure language placing is something that I don't participate in. Wow, so interesting to hear these different perspectives. I know growing up that I never really fell victim to language policing, but um, recently I've experienced a weird form of it that attacks my New York accent. Um, so one day I was speaking to someone from out of state and they started to make fun of my accent when I said words like coffee or water and was treating me like a novelty because he wasn't from New York and he was pretty entertained by my accent. Um, but he tried to tell me how to say certain things the quote unquote right way um, and it just started to get to a point where it felt more like he was mocking me, more laughing at me than laughing with me. Um, I just let it go because I could take 45 minutes of poking fun, but for people who experience this on the daily, it must be exhausting. Um, I was worn out after 45 minutes of it, let alone every day. Um, on the flip side, I also notice um, sometimes when people have parents that don't speak English well, their children will speak um, for them a lot because they fear that like maybe the other person won't understand their parents or their parents feel embarrassed to ask questions. This breaks my heart because people think they're secluded due to their language barrier, but I would do my best to assist them in any way when I'm working. Um, I think it's just deeply rooted within them as they face such adversity in that area because sometimes people aren't so willing to listen. Um, sometimes when I get them one-on-one, -on -one, they open up and you can really see the relief when I give them the time of day to help them, um, assist them in any way with their questions, and also have patience when there is a language barrier. I hope to translate this into my future classroom where I hope that my students feel safe enough to express themselves to me and their classmates no matter what. That's how students feel confident about school. Without providing that safe space and confidence, we are failing our students. 
Um, so that is all the time we have for today. Ashley, Kavita, and Gabby, thank you so much for joining today and sharing your experiences with language policing. And I hope our viewers learned a thing or two from these stories. So if this episode teaches you anything, it is to be kind no matter what, because it makes a difference.